This is The Genuine Optimist, and today, let's talk about something serious. Let's talk about something that's dying, something that maybe we can save. But the only way you can save something is if you know that it's sick, that it needs help. Culture. Culture around the world. Culture in your community. Culture in my community is dying. Culture needs prayer. We need to pray for culture. A lot of people have used the word culture a lot in the past 20 years, probably more. And we banter about the word or what it means. And we really never really talk about the real significance of culture. I want to talk about three things that really make for a bitch in culture. I mean, a really cool, thriving culture. Culture is where people talk. You know, I would love to go back to maybe one of the old towns in Europe or the early founding of this country, and you'd meet somebody in a tavern or maybe the town hall. Uh, that's where you met each other. That's where you would meet to talk, to gather, to converse. That's when I think we were highly literate, philosophically, socially, you name it. We got together and we talked. We don't have that. And it needs to be face-to-face, -face, and I'll talk about that why in just a bit. But we just do not get together and talk one-on-one, -on -one, mano y mano, to unfold a lot of biases, to get rid of uncertainties, to get rid of um, assumptions about people. We carry assumptions about people in our head forever and a day because we do not talk. Culture is also people agreeing. And we just do not agree on much because we don't talk. We don't get together. We don't talk. We don't agree. I look at how we get together politically. Uh, you know, one political party has its caucus way over there. Another political party has its caucus way over there. A religion has its meeting over in that house, but they never talk with this religion or meet up with them. It's, it's, it's nuts. As a whole culture, as a whole group of people in a community, we do not talk and we do not come together to agree on much of anything. It's devastating. I think I've talked many times about the problem we have with city councils, board of educations, um, county commission officers, uh, you name it. When you were to add up all those people, you'd probably have about 20 people <laughs> that would come together in a county of 150,000 people, and those are the ones that would talk. Yeah, you'd have your average citizen that would come up, speak up, make their voice heard. But as far as the talking and exchanging, maybe agreeing on something, maybe 20 people, maybe 20 or 30 people. That's it for any particular county across the United States, Canada, even in all parts of, of the world. We have small numbers of people actually talking and agreeing on, on, on much. It's, it's pretty sad. It used to be different. 
and it can be superior than it has ever been before in the history of humanity. And it begins with talking. And it begins with coming together and agreeing in large numbers. Yes, it can happen. We can come together in large numbers. It all has to do with how we modularize those numbers, break up those numbers into groups where people can talk. People can come together and agree. We just don't think it can happen because we have this stupid thing called popular democracy in limited format that's running things, and it limits the number of people who can engage in the conversation. The more you emphasize conversation, the more you emphasize a consensual model of talking and coming together. Democracy doesn't allow for that. Third thing that cultures have, or at least a thriving culture, is people acting together, people actually doing something together. We do very little together. I know there's some good here and there. You watch an inspiring video, but we really don't do anything together. That's sad. One of my fondest memories when, as, a, as a child is helping farmers stop flooding under their fields or stopping something from happening, and we'd all band together and, and help each other out. Under duress, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we come together. We do something. But as a culture, we don't. Only under stress, only under crisis. But as a culture, we don't have a structure, a system, a process where we actually come together, talk, agree, and act together. And lastly, people who live near to each other. A thriving culture is where people really not live on top of each other. Well, why not? Heck yes. I mean, the closer you are to each other, the better. Because you, you, um, you develop intimacy. You develop understanding. You develop camaraderie, real, real insight into human character. We don't have that. Everything is separated. Everything's boxed in. Uh, the way we do our land development is pretty sad. I could go into that ad nauseum. I'm a builder. I've been building homes for years. You can just imagine how frustrating it is to see all these cookie-cutter developments surface and there's no community. There's nothing that brings people together. Yeah, there are some developers out there trying to do something, but you know something? They've got to solve the first problem is that we got to get there together and we need to talk. And we don't do that. It's pathetic. Getting online, social media is not talking. Because I could ask a tough question. I could go into a real, real conservative environment, and it'd be a bunch of closed conservatives. They're not open conservatives. They're closed conservatives. Closed conservatives are strict party line people. They don't think about the value that they want to conserve and how best to talk about that value and how to conserve that value. I could go into, you know, a leftist community or people that are progressives and I could ask a real liberal question. Hey, let's get the conservatives over here. Let's talk with them. A real classical liberal approach. You know, they would get all frustrated. Oh, they're all sexist, homophobic and racist and narcissistic people. We don't want them in our group. You know, they, you can see how bad it is. We are so separate in our culture that it's sad.
And we talk about how it's important to invite other cultures, but it's always a culture foreign to our own, maybe a culture in South America, Asia, Europe, somewhere all over there. Yeah, let's invite their culture over here. That would be great. We need more diversity of culture, but we don't create diversity within our culture because we don't create more talking, more agreeing, more acting together, and we certainly don't thrive with each other. We don't come together and live together in a close-knit situation. I mean, not necessarily in the same room, but you know what I'm talking about. We don't share anything together in, in how we live. And there's reasons for this. There are reasons why culture is almost nearly dead. It's, it's, it's almost quite gone until a crisis comes. And when a crisis comes, and it's coming, we're going to buck up. We're going to figure something out. And I believe that that is called a renaissance. And a renaissance is always when people say to themselves, you know something, Um, we've given these people all the power to talk and all the power to agree and all the power to act on us. And they all kind of cohabitate together in this, you know, private thing called a, a legislative body or whatever, maybe a corporate body. And they've been doing all the talking, all the agreeing and all the acting privately in, uh, way over there. You know, let's not let them do that anymore. We can do that ourselves. We can we can come together and let's, let's just start talking again. A thriving culture can be born again. It just requires that we come together and implement talking, agreeing, acting together, and living closer together, thriving. You know, the scriptures talk about the people do not cleave one to another. That's culture. We need to cleave to each other more than we've ever done before. And we just don't think that's possible anymore because the enemy has come in and has devoured culture. The enemy has come in and has usurped culture. The enemy has come in and given us social safety nets so we don't have to take responsibility to talk, agree, and act together and help each other out. So that's gone. We have all kinds of services, all kinds of things out there solving problems of which we have no voice, of which we have no need to talk because somebody else has decided for us. And as a result, we don't come together and cleave to one another. And we certainly don't live with each other solving problems and acting together. I mean, you you got my point. You got my point. And only when there is a massive, massive crisis... Will we have an opportunity to rebuild our culture? But right now, it's really hard to build culture when so many people are out there trying to get their take. I'm sorry if I'm sounding a bit gloomy. I'm just trying to point out the facts. And the social facts are that we've been deliberately broken apart as a people in our communities. Now, I believe that the renaissance that's going to come, I believe the change that will occur in humanity, specifically in this country, in other, other podcasts to come, I will talk about why it's going to happen in this country. But it will happen. 
under extreme duress, under a troublous time. And when those times come and they're around the corner, could be six years, could be less, could be two years, you never know. It could come. And when it, when it will come, it's going to be devastating. And the thing that I'm excited about is having prepared for, for that opportunity. Because when a crisis comes and we can no longer import food in here and, or we can no longer have all the decisions made at a distance because there's no money for it or there's no wealth for it, we will have to come together and say, hey, you know, let's do this together. Let's come together and, and talk and let's restructure our system. Let's, let's rebuild our system so we incorporate more culture and we become a thriving culture. That's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a trial for a lot of people because a lot of people are isolationists. You know, they're a little bit xenophobic and they live in their private little lives. And they think they're protected because they have their debt paid and maybe they've got their garden and they don't have to self-sustain themselves. But what's coming is brutal because no man is an island and you will not be able to survive alone. I don't care who you are and how prepared you are. You will not survive alone. It's going to be impossible, literally impossible. That's when culture will burst through the scenes and we will have a renaissance like we've never seen in human history. And it'll be broken up in ways we can never even imagine throughout this country. Uh, if you think that we are a dynamic people because we have states and counties and cities, just wait until you see what's going to happen down the road. We will not have any states and we will not have any counties. We will have these incredible cultures, microcultures, 20 people, 150 people here, 300 people there, maybe a, uh, a few thousand there, maybe just 12 over there. And they're organizing, they're coming together because they're they're redirecting their energies within. And here's one thing I want to leave with you. There's going to be one thing that's going to keep people alive through future crisis that is to come. And that is, is that they will conserve their voice. They will conserve their wealth. They will conserve their vote. They will conserve every energy they have toward each other. When we do that, we will thrive in ways we can't even imagine. We could be operating at zero. We could be a nonprofit organization all by ourselves as a whole group. And we could pitch in and put all of our pennies uh, into the hat, basically. And then as long as we are taken care of and we have what we need within our culture and we solve our own problems, our own health, education, welfare issues, everything is solved, we can actually come together as a nonprofit and, and operate as zero and send no energy outside the community. Imagine that. Imagine our federal government not receiving any taxes at all, and yet we're solving all of our problems locally. <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm just giving you some taste of what is to come, folks. That's all I'm doing. Just giving you a taste of the future, because when a crisis comes, that's when humanity is really at its best, especially Americans. When we are under extreme duress, 
we are at our best. And there are visions out there, highly visionary people, insightful people. They've mapped this out. They have the vision for a new future. Old men will dream dreams and they will come up with ideas to organize and to keep energy, voice, agreement, and acting together locally. They will regenerate uh, kind of an economy that turns sideways back into itself, regenerating people. Right now we've got some massive sucking sound. <laughs> this just, you know, sucking all of our energy away. And that will stop. And we will figure out how to stop it. And it's exciting. That's why I call myself the genuine optimist, because I see the really beautiful future. Yeah, I talk about the dismal one that's going to come before that. Uh, we have to do that. We have to do that to see the yuck now and the yuck to come in order to, to see what happens when we get rid of this muck. And we're able to see a better world. I'm excited. I'm excited to be ready for it. I'm not wanting to go through a troublous time. But I do want to see a better world. And it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. Hold tight. Build relationships. Make friends. Don't build a following. Build a culture. It will never let you down. This is the Genuine Optimist. See you next time. <laughs>